AEW Dynamite hits a grand slam in New York City, and we talk about it next on the Squared Circle Cycle Babble. My name is Michael Valenti. Joining me is Ralph Valenti. Ralph, AEW Dynamite Grand Slam happens this week, and the first show in New York City. Very important show. A lot of buzz around it. They had to deliver, and I think the one match that needed to deliver more than any other match opened the show. Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson. It ends in a time limit draw, Ralph. I love this match. I got to be honest. This could be the best match ever on AEW Dynamite. And I think a lot of people agree with me. Uh, On our poll, our community poll, 85% of people said it was the best match ever on AEW Dynamite. Do you agree with that? Uh, it's definitely up there as one of the best matches. I mean, there's only a handful of matches that come to mind. I, I always have a hard time saying something's the best because I think people tend to always go with whatever the, the most recent matches. So like, that's the thing that's going to stick out most in your mind. And right mm-hmm. now, obviously a lot of people are talking about Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega and rightfully so, because this match was great. They did absolutely knock it out of the park. Um, I, and it, it's, it's crazy to think that you know, going back when AEW was really just even before it's big fruition and before it even came to came to be what it is today, selling out, you know, 20,000 seats, who would have thought that we, we were going to see Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega on free TV. And not only that, who would have thought they were to open the night? I, I kind of had the inclination it was going to, because AEW dynamite always has that first match with no commercial interruption. However, there was a picture-in-picture commercial break in this match, which I was not a fan of. But I understand they got to pay the bills, and you know they got a you know a lot of people on TNT to you know pay, and a lot of people in AEW to pay. So it makes sense, especially when it goes thirty minutes in a time limit draw. But I think they should have just gone through commercial free. Nonetheless, knowing that it was a time limit draw too, I. And 100% behind this being the first match. I think get it out of the... Well, I don't want to say get it out of the way, but people were anticipating it. They got it and they delivered. And I think because the card was already stacked with so many other good matches, I think people that wanted to watch for that match, I bet you stayed. And the ratings definitely showed that this week. Number one by a mile in the 18 to 49 demographic and cable. 1.2 million viewers. So that is a damn good number, considering there was a lot of competition on TV last night. No, absolutely. And I, I don't think we should sell short what AEW has been able to do in such a short amount of time. I go back to the, what was it, 20 plus thousand seats right in the middle of you know New York mm-hmm. City there. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's crazy to think that really AEW was almost kind of formed and, and came to be because of a tweet where it was like, what, can they sell a, a 10,000 seat arena? Right. Now, granted, that wasn't uh, necessarily AEW, but I think that was the, the foundation and the framework for what would eventually become AEW. And here we have two of the very best in Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega going head to head in the opening bout of the night. And, you know, this match was good for so many reasons because I think it put to bed a lot of the um, the naysayers and a lot of the negative things that you'll hear about Kenny Omega. Mm-hmm. Last night, I think he proved that... I, there's a couple of things I want to say about this. I think last night he proved he's definitely versatile. He can work a bunch of different styles, and this kind of showed it, because this match 
was not your typical fast-paced high spot match. It had not moments where, of course, there was high spots, but really it relied on transitions between submissions, uh, chops, kicks, knees, uh, suplexes. Like big moments were happening, but in between those big moments and setting up, you know, big moment to big moment, there was a lot of downtime that built within that 30-minute match. Um, and I think with Kenny Omega, a lot of people will say, oh, we can only one work one specific style. And I think that we saw last night, he can definitely do um, a more, I don't know, if you want to call it traditional style mm -hmm. or not so, uh, not necessarily like the newer style that we're accustomed to seeing with some of the matches on Dynamite. Uh, so, so I like the match for that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think it was a, a very good match. I was, wasn't sure if we were going to get a different Dan, uh, Brian Danielson, considering that he's coming from WWE. And, man, he was laying in some stiff kicks. I know he had some stiff kicks in WWE, but he took it to another level on Kenny Omega last night. The chops he was getting from Kenny Omega were really stiff. And some of the spots that you're talking about, like, they weren't just high spots. There was psychology behind them. And that's what made it even more. And it it's ironic that this match happens the same day Becky Lynch, you know, there's this comment that she makes that, you know, fans are focused on the story, not dives and Canadian destroyers, right? This is a prime right. example of that. This is yeah. a prime example of that because they built the story and the spots dictated the story. And it wasn't about the flips. It wasn't about the Canadian destroyer. It was about the story that dictated the spots. And that's what made it so great. Yeah. And, you know, I think, I think a lot of people too are, you know, certainly critical of the, the style that the WWE guys, guys work. You know, a lot of people will say, Oh, you know, that's a boring style. That's a WWE type match. And when mm -hmm. I look to the match that we saw last night, I by by no means am I saying it was a WWE style match, but if you took away the AEW logo and you put them in a WWE ring, I really don't think you're going to tell the difference between uh, the match that you saw last night between those two guys, or even the match that we saw between Seth Rollins and Edge. You know, they're mm -hmm. both very good professional wrestling matches. I'm not right. saying one's better than the other, um, but it just goes to show you, like if you're good enough you can go in the ring no matter what the banner is. And if they give you enough time and they give you the opportunity to go out there and work, the best guys are going to go out there and work. And last night, that's what we saw. We saw two guys go out there and deliver the same way Seth Rollins and Edge delivered last week. Right. No, I, I totally agree. It was a great match. Now the question is, it goes to a time limit draw. What's next? Yeah. And, th and that's the question that I've been kind of pondering going back and forth. I leave these two apart for a while. Like I'm talking like a solid year transition. Uh, Brian Daniels, I almost said Daniel Bryan transition. Uh, Brian Danielson. I don't know. Another I think a year, a year is way too long. I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking they gotta, they gotta keep, they have to make this the match of full gear. Like they have See, to, they have to make this an Ironman match or a two out of three falls at full gear. But here's 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 why I'm saying keep them apart, because I agree. I think that this going to a time limit draw, they can always revisit this and say nobody won. We don't have closure. We don't have a conclusion to this match. We need to have it. But I feel like keeping them apart and building to that moment where eventually if it is Brian Danielson who goes over, that is going to be more impactful if they choose to leave them apart because it will continue mm -hmm. to build. Right. And he can continue to win. 
Uh, Brian Danielson can, 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 can start to get wins. I mean, when we think about this, this was his first AEW match and that's fine. Um, and he went toe to toe with the very best, but you know, I think that we need to see, you know, Brian Danielson get some wins. And I think that we need to see him lose. And I think we need to see him be, uh, rebuilt back up to this level where he is going to be the number one contender for maybe the championship or, uh, some other big match against Kenny with something on the line. And the other thing we have to talk about too, is what's going to happen with hangman page. I'm he glad you brought that up. I'm glad you brought that up because now that full gear was moved up two weeks. The show that Hangman Page is being advertised for as like the poster guy for his hometown show is going to be the show after Full Gear. So the way I would do this is have the match at Full Gear, Brian Danielson versus Kenny Omega. Whatever match you want to do, maybe it's a just a singles one-on-one, no steps. Maybe it's an uh, Iron Man. Maybe it's a two out of three. But Kenny wins. But the close of the night is Hangman Page makes his return. And that's what goes to black. That, I think, would be a great cliffhanger to end full gear. And then it opens up with Hangman Page in front of his hometown crowd just to get that momentum back for him. Because Brian Danielson, although he is new, and obviously he has the credibility behind him from what happened in WWE and his, you know, long career before even WWE, he doesn't necessarily have to be the AEW champion. He doesn't even have to beat Kenny Omega. That time could come down the line. But if Kenny Omega beats Danielson, that's huge for him, knowing that Brian Danielson just brought a lot of eyeballs. And we already know this time limit draw has that rocky feel to it. Because Kenny Omega already said on Twitter, he there's no rematch. So he's exactly. playing Apollo Creed right now. Yeah, and, and think about what made that that movie Rocky II so special. It built to that moment where there was the rematch, and that's why I think they should let Brian Danielson go his separate way, at least for now, continue to get some wins, continue to feud with people. The fortunate thing for AEW is they only have a handful of pay-per-views per year. It's not like WWE where you're forced to like put somebody in a main event picture like Mm -hmm. every month and then there's a rematch and another rematch and now we're three pay-per-views in and it's the same rematch time and time again which sometimes it's good sometimes it's not so much and sometimes you get a guy like cesaro who's put in a position where you really want to see him win but realistically it's just not going to happen and rather than having put them having them put somebody in that position they're fortunate enough to only have you know however many paper what is it four or five six four most four they only have four. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think that they can build uh, Brian Danielson up with that time, keep them apart. And I wouldn't have him lose to Kenny just yet. If he is going to lose to Kenny, let that happen further down the line. So full gear is a, less than two months away. If you're not going to go with Brian Danielson and you hold off hangman to, to close out full gear, who challenges Omega then? Like right now, the number one ranked wrestler is Orange Cassidy. Do you revisit that? How's that possible? How's that? Come on. When's the last time? And I don't, I'm not going to get into a rant on this guy, but I was literally thinking about this as I'm watching this Dynamite. When's the last time that guy did anything meaningful on Dynamite? It's been a while. I'll admit that. It has been so a How the while. hell is he ranked number one? If you ask me, the guy that's been booked the best because of the way that he's positioned, and I've made this argument time and time again, is is uh Al, um Alistair Black Malachi Black 
Mm-hmm. There's been nobody else who's been booked and positioned in a, in a position where he's been me- made to feel more important. I don't think. Yeah. I think mean- that this is, this is where the ranking system does a disservice because what it, orange Cassidy may have like six straight wins on like dark or some obscure show. Mm-hmm. Did that hold more weight than what one point, what 1.2 million people saw last night on dynamite? I certainly right. don't think so. Right. No, I, I agree to that extent. And <clears throat> excuse me. I think eventually those rankings are going to get shaken, uh, shooken up because right now it's orange Cassidy's number one, <clears throat> excuse me. Powerhouse Hobbs is number two. And unless he's beating CM Punk, he's going to get knocked down. Moxley's number three, and he hasn't even been involved in singles competition for how long. Uh, I, I think Jung- Christian Cage is number four, and you know he already lost to Omega. And I think Jungle Boy is five, if I, if I remember the rankings correctly. It's another guy Omega beat. So the rankings aren't really telling you anything that says this is the next number one contender unless they revisit Orange Cassidy because he got screwed out of that triple threat match. You're saying full gear. You're suspecting that that's going to be the main event, Kenny Omega and, and Orange if, Cassidy. No, 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 no. If they, if they don't go with Brian Danielson versus Omega right now, from what I'm seeing at face value, that looks like that's the route they can go. I don't think that's the route they're going to go because it seems like, Orange Cassidy storyline with Matt Hardy will lead to a hair versus hair match at full gear. So they got to find somebody. And unless powerhouse Hobbs pulls an upset and beats CM Punk. And now please don't put spoilers in the comments. If you went to a show and saw the tapings or read the spoilers, don't put them in the comment section, please. So we don't know if CM Punk actually won or powerhouse Hobbs. I know it was taped, but don't do it. Hypothetically speaking, we, we don't know the, the outcome, but if Powerhouse Hobbs does, in fact, beat CM Punk, that's, that's your number one contender right there. It would seem so. But again, it goes, up to, it goes back to the, the perception. With wrestling, the perception is one of the most important things like because you're portraying reality. It's, it's, it's essentially staged. You control the outcome. And if you got, want guys to feel important, if, you got, if you're going to have guys that are going to be ranked your top five contenders, it should uh, perceive what's happening on your, your main shows, which would be Dynamite and Rampage. And I'm sorry, but Orange Cassidy, ever since they've got some major players there, has been largely an oversight. Right, right. And I'm now, not saying that's a bad thing. It just is the truth. Right. It's just the nature of the beast. They got a lot of star power now. And, you know, there there's a lot to go around. And it's just going to help those young up-and-comers. And we had two... Young up-and-comers in the next match here, MJF and Brian Pillman Jr. We already talked about this. They they had a feud in MLW, the Dynasty versus the New Heart Foundation. We finally get to see it on national television uh, here on AEW Dynamite. MJF does win the match with the Soul of the Earth submission. I thought this was a good competitive match. However, I wish they could have kicked it into that next gear. I felt like it didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, MJF did get some good heat using Julia uh, Julia Hart to prevent um, Brian Pillman to go with the, I guess, a tope suicide or whatever attack to the outside. I thought that was good. Not a lot of involvement from Wardlow, though, which was kind of interesting. Definitely interesting because they were kind of teasing that they were going to start building uh, this, this feud between Wardlow and MJF where they were going to go their separate ways in. We didn't really get any any uh, seeds planted towards that. 
Um, you know, a little while ago, I talked about how it's crazy to think that, you know, AEW has gotten to this point where they're selling out 20,000 seats. It's crazy to think that not too long ago, Brian Pillman Jr. was on this very show, the only interview we've ever done, yeah. likely the only interview we ever will do. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. If, see we, but- if we do more than one episode a week and actually could get some people to interview, but yeah, as of not, right now, yeah. <laughs> And, and I'm, I'm literally watching the show thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, not too long ago, you and I were just starting doing the show and not too long ago, he was on the indie scene up and coming and just hoping to make an impact. Here he is wrestling in front of 20,000 people. Mm-hmm. Same could be said for Darby Allen, who we saw later in the night, who we saw wrestle in Waterbury in front of like 500 people. Yep. Yeah. Um, and here they are, you know, just putting on a great show. And, and this, this too was very good. I think, you know, Brian Pillman Jr. Still very young, still has a long way to go. Um, but it was cool to see him get his moment here in front of all those people. Right. And the fact that like both these wrestlers are under the age of 25 and yeah. they look good. And th- despite their young age, like there's a, there is definitely going to be a huge movement from between what we're seeing in NXT 2.0 and what we're seeing with these say. young guys in, in AEW, there's going to be a boom with some of these big names you're going you're gonna to hear MJF for a long time. You're going to hear Brian Pillman Jr., Braun Breaker, Rex Steiner, whatever you want to call him, uh, Sammy Guevara. Like, there's a Darby, lot. Darby. Darby Allen, Boy. Jungle Boy. Like, there's a lot. Like, wrestling is not going anywhere. And the fact that we have two big promotions doing very similar ratings and similar attendances and similar markets just goes to show you the industry's not dying. And, like... Very bright future for these guys, and these are these two are going to have a long feud for years to come in AEW. But let's move on. You brought up Malachi Black, possibly the best booked wrestler in AEW since he started, going up against Cody Rhodes and Ralph. <laughs> the only thing missing from this against Cody Rhodes was someone putting up a sign saying, if Cody wins, we riot. The crowd did not want Cody to win this match. Anytime he got any offense in, even if it was just a punch, they were booing him out of the building. Is this not the same city that uh, really was rooting for Goldberg and Lesnar to just both leave at yep. WrestleMania? So that is you know, true. I can't, can't say I'm can't say I'm surprised. I think we've been to quite a few shows in New York, either at Barclays or a couple other places, and you know it's always always uh, makes for an interesting crowd. But I can't mm-hmm. I can't say I'm surprised by this. Cody Rhodes tends to be the guy that for whatever reason gets that triple H effect. Like people, he could put as many guys over as he wants. People are just going to hate him. Um, well, that's just because him. they're, they're the EVPs and they have that, those couple of matches where they should have put the guy over and they don't obviously the whole sledgehammer thing at double or nothing already started the parallels between those two. They both have wives that are the head of branding for their said promotions like there's too many parallels there that you can't ignore it. I, I think with Cody, the thing that people dislike the most is the overproduction. He's got a long entrance. Whenever but so does Triple H, another parallel. Oh yeah, and I, <laughs> I and I, I'm not saying I agree with with any of this. Maybe I agree with parts of it. I think that Triple H, while maybe he should have put certain guys over, mainly Booker T and that and that in their match. Um, I think I know for a fact he's putting over quite a few guys as well. And we've talked about it on the show. Cody has putting over quite a few guys as well. But I think with him, some people get sick of the overproduction. Like with him, 
the story the storylines tend to be super involved, super emotional. The entrances seem to be uh, overproduced and overly long and things like that. And sometimes people look at that and they're just like, oh, like, you know, enough. Right. Like, just come right. out, get to the ring and wrestle. Right. No, I, I totally agree with that. And I, I think that definitely does not help him. And the fact that he's EVP and the fact that, you know, he's doing the Go Big Show and now Roads to the Top is going to be uh, premiering next Wednesday after Dynamite. Like, he's definitely the focal point of AEW. But as we've seen, and even in WWE, when there's a guy that is the main focal point and it's not exactly the guy that you want, the fans are just going to turn on you because it's like, you're not the guy we want. And it seems like Malachi Black is one of those guys that we want. And he was getting a lot of, a lot of uh, cheers last night for everything he did. And obviously the right guy won. The finish was, I got to admit it, I'm sorry, but the finish was freaking comical. You have Arn Anderson distracting the ref, then the ref, Tells him to get down. Then he tries to go around the, the the post. He loses his footing. He falls. And I'm pretty sure that was a botch. That was not intentional. Yep. And I'm only I'm only saying it's funny because he was okay. He's selling it, whatever. Then he gets back up. Then he bumps. Cody bumps him off the apron. Cody gets outside. And Arn's like, what are you doing? Get Malachi. He's outside. Yeah. So then it goes to then he goes get Malachi throws him back into the ring he gets black misted and then uh, rolled over for the win uh, not the best finish but Malachi Black gets the win and I think people are okay with the finish because of the the right guy won the right guy won uh, he won in a shitty way I think that having him go over with the black mask would have you know, uh, help him maintain that aura of invincibility that I think mm-hmm. he certainly has. And he's right. continues to carry, carry that over in all of his matches. I agree. Um, you know, and I get it. He's playing this dark figure and, you know, the undertaker has done this in the past too. And sometimes people get overly critical when you start going to the goofy gimmicky stuff, like, you know, spraying mist and things like that. I mean, I'm fine with it. If it's a one-off, I just hope this doesn't become like a weekly thing where he's going to continue to go to it. Every right. Match. Right. It was just, I'm just glad he won. Yes. And now maybe this is the start of him getting a push towards the AEW championship or even the TNT championship, knowing that next week it's Miro versus Sammy Guevara. Maybe Sammy Guevara dethrones Miro and then Malachi Black beats Sammy Guevara. Who knows where it goes from there, but Let's head on to the next match, Ralph. Sting and Darby Allen against FTR. Sting um, submits Dax Harwood with the Scorpion death, uh, death lock for the win. This one, I mean, I like Darby. I like the dynamic with Sting. I think it makes sense for them to win. But FTR, ever since they lost those AEW Tag Team Championships, are just... Back where they were in WWE, they are an afterthought, putting over guys and not exactly the best tag team in the world, in my opinion. Correct me if I'm wrong. FTR and Proud and Powerful are one and one. Yes, I believe so. I think that's right. Yes, because FTR won when uh, Cash Wheeler got cut, but then Proud and Powerful got the win back. And I, I just can't believe we're not, we haven't seen more from, from them or got closure to that, especially if they split, they're splitting one and one. Look, I mean, 
the match last night, I'm, I'm going to be honest. Growing up, I was never a big WCW fan. I watched from time to time. I never really was into Sting. When he came to WWE, I knew the, that, the significance of that was pretty impactful. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you look at the backstory of him supposedly go, wanting to go to WWE and saying no and all that type of stuff. Right. I thought last night, for whatever reason, that match was, aside from the outcome, really good. I, I agree. It, it was really good. And Sting it was, was really good. Yeah, surprisingly good. And I, I give credit to AEW because I think what they wanted to do was give Sting a big moment and a big spot when he was going to be in front of 20,000 people in New York. Because who knows how many more times throughout his career he's actually going to have the opportunity to do that. Right. Um, so credit to them. I don't think it should have came at the expense of FTR, especially because they are one of the best tag teams in the world, if not the best. Um, I'm going to chalk this up to let's wait and see what happens. Let's not jump to conclusions. FTR is a tag team that can get their steam back next week. Um, I just, I was totally off on this. I'd said Sting was going to, had to be the guy that takes the pin. Um, and that didn't happen. So Sting was actually the guy that got the submission win. Right. What did you think of, I think the spot from this match that everyone's going to talk about where Dax Hardwood teased the tombstone. Yeah. Undertaker versus Sting, the match we never got. I thought that was great. And yes, it was really good. And of course, FTR, you know, doing a little bit of uh, trolling with their tights, having the NWO-esque logo. Uh, That was a nice little touch considering, you know, Sting and his whole feud with the NWO back in 1997. So nice little touch there. You know, FTR definitely know how to throw back in their matches and always give those like little hints if you've been a fan for a long time, they definitely give you those like, oh, yeah, like those little nostalgia pops, and they do a very good job with that. Now that they were ranked third in the rankings, and now they lose, so they're probably going to get bounced out. I, I know we talk about the rankings. that They're irritating at best. I just hope now this leads to Darby and Sting getting ranked, and maybe they're getting a push for the AEW Tag Team Championship. Yeah, I mean, again, it all depends. Like, how far are you going to try to go with this feel-good moment? Are you actually going to try to have Sting wrestle on a consistent basis? Um, at most, I see them going and challenging for the titles, but I don't see them winning because, again, I, I don't know if Sting's going to be able to work consistently. No, that's true. But let's head to the main event, Ralph, the only championship match of the night. And if you weren't going to have Brian Danielson versus Kenny Omega main event, I think this was the right call, the main event, this match, because it's the championship match. Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, retained the AEW Women's Championship against Ruby Soho, thanks to the help of Jamie Hayter and uh, Rebel. I thought this was a very good match. It definitely delivered as a main event. Mm-hmm. I think most of the matches last night were pretty methodical, slow-paced, and then this one here just kind of instantly kicked into gear and I thought they had great chemistry in the ring. I think they did a good job with Ruby Soho, um, getting her to believe like she might actually pull it off, but then Britt Baker eventually gets the win. I thought it was a very good main event. Yeah. And you know, Ruby Soho has been really impressive because of her. I don't know if you want to call it her, her in ring ability, like, and, and I'm not saying that as like a negative thing, but it's just, 
In WWE, you didn't really see her get the opportunity to show that she was capable of being that good. Mm-hmm. Um, when she was in there with Britt Baker, I mean, a lot of the transitions that they had going back and forth, um, she was great. Uh, she looked like she belonged in a, in a main event, especially challenging for a title. Um, so I thought that was really good. And, you know, I, I expected Britt Baker to come out on top. Um, it'll be interesting to see where Ruby Soho goes at this point, but um, she'll be fine. Right. Now that they have Rampage and it, it- it seems like there's going to be a new women's championship being added. It seems like based on speculation, I don't think it's been confirmed yet that they're going to have the TBS championship coming uh, for the women's division. Just like we have the TNT championship for the men's. Now that rampage will stay on TNT dynamite's going to go to TBS starting in January. So maybe she's, Part of that mix as the first TBS champion. Who knows? But I think, obviously, she's got a bright future with AEW. And that women's division, which was easily the Achilles heel. It might, and some people might argue it still is. But it's definitely gotten significantly better with the additions to Ruby Soho. The addition of Thunder Rosa. I mean, Serena Deeb isn't even involved in. Hikaru Shida isn't even involved. But they're part of this division. Jade Cargill, as green as she is, there's money to be made with her. And then you have everybody else from Riho to Nyla Rose to uh, Jamie Hayter and Rebel. Like, they have gotten so much better in that women's division. It it makes you very excited for anything involved with AEW right now. And let me say this. You mentioned all those great talented female wrestlers. Another thing I was thinking to myself and that look at all the people that maybe even some of them had segments last night, but some of them didn't even wrestle. Like I think we're all kind of saying, or we've all said in the past, like raw is far too long. It shouldn't be three hours. I almost feel like dynamite has enough talent to say if I, if they wanted to do three hours and create compelling content, I almost feel like they can do it. Right. Because they have so many young up and comers that, Look at look at yesterday. I mean, guy Adam Cole wasn't even on the, on the show last night. I mean, other than the, like the the run in that he had, mm-hmm. um, guys like Ricky Starks. I don't remember him being on the show. Jungle Boy had a quick run in. Yep, Jericho had a promo. Uh, Sammy Guevara had a promo. Like, and that's fine because they only have two hours. Right. Uh, I honestly think if they wanted to extend Dynamite to three hours, they could and they can make it good. Right. But I think their recipe right now, I think, is a good one. Where yeah. Rampage is the third hour on a different night. I think if you start going to that third hour weekly, you might get fatigue in that third hour, which even on a good episode of Raw, people still get. And there's still that drop-off in the third hour. So I think they have the right recipe. Maybe eventually this two-hour Rampage isn't just a specialty. Maybe it eventually becomes that. I would make a suggestion that maybe quarterly, they should do quarterly grand slam shows. That should be three hours. Have them be specials. That might be because I remember when they, you know, they redid the TV deal and they're talking about these like quarterly special shows like Mm -hmm. clash of the champions used to be. Maybe that's what they're going to do. Or maybe the two hour rampage is the special show either way. Like both of them can work and the three hour dynamite. I think you got to be careful depending on when you do those, because, you know, eventually you're going to have the NBA and NHL, which you're competing on your like own networks. 
with TBS and TNT eventually, uh, that's going to play into effect. And the fall, it's going to be hard to really compete with those ratings. I know they did good this week, but eventually, you know, those big shows are always in the fall. So do you do the big shows in the winter, the summer, where it might be a little easier to get more viewers? So it, it, I think it's doable. And right now with the momentum, it's easily doable. But what happens when the momentum dies out? What happens if a few guys get hurt? Or what happens when, you know, you stack the three hours so much that you got nothing for Rampage? I, I think if ask. they are, I think, yeah, I, I think if they are going to do it, I think a good pick if they were to do a three hour show should be the Dynamites following a pay-per-view because then you can start to build new storylines and things of that nature, but. Um, speaking of, speaking of last night, did you see what Eric Bischoff tweeted about Vince McMahon? Sent it to you. Yes. Yes, I did see it. And I think that just is going to help the, the wrestling industry as a whole. We're already seeing it with NXT 2.0, the whole edgier content that we saw from this past episode. And, you know, I, I know we don't really review NXT right now. And if you guys want us to start reviewing NXT 2.0, let us know in the comments, and if we get enough you know, interest in it, we'll start doing them. Because I know some people have already asked, why don't you guys uh, review NXT anymore? Let us know why. Like, tell us. You want to see it, and we'll do them. But NXT 2.0, I love the flow of it. And that there is just showing you the future for WWE. AEW Dynamite has the future for them. And if Vince McMahon has his hand in NXT where he's handpicking who these stars are and Triple H just has to book it in a way to get these guys recognized. I think they're in a prime position and AEW dynamite. Obviously they have the momentum and as wrestling fans, you get, you just got to sit back and watch and just love it. Like you don't have to love both promotions, but there doesn't need to be this civil war between fans of, you know, I'm sticking my flag in, For AEW, I'm sticking my flag in for WWE and bringing up ratings like, oh, well, Raw won the viewership and Dynamite won the demo and stupid shit like that. Just watch the damn shows and enjoy them because even Raw this week was still pretty entertaining for three hours. Like, we're getting some good content for three of the five weeknights of the week. And if you want to throw in Impact, if you watch Impact, that's four. And NXT... All five nights. What are you bitching about? Yeah, and everybody can find stuff that they they like or enjoy. I'm pretty sure from every show. I mean, some people may be into Roman Reigns. Some people may be into Kenny Omega. But at the end of the day, I'm pretty sure right now what both of their title reigns are going to end up being is pretty significant for the history of pro wrestling, Mm -hmm. especially right now. So we better just sit back and enjoy it because who knows when you're going to get something that's going to feel this special anytime after this. Totally agree. Um, so, you know, the, the one thing that I will say, the biggest travesty in all of pro wrestling will be at maybe of all time is if we never get to see Brian Danielson versus Walter, because I need to see oh. what will happen to Brian Danielson's chest. If Walter ever chops him. Oh my if God. Kenny Omega can do that type of damage. What would Walter do? I agree. And like, cause, cause even, when Walter was in the Survivor Series match, he wasn't even in long enough to even do anything. And Brian Danielson wasn't even in the match, so it doesn't even matter. But still, like, that's a question right there. 
And unless Walter leaves and goes to AEW or Brian Danielson in three years comes back to WWE and becomes Daniel Bryan again, we may never get that answer, Ralph. We may not. No. What were your final thoughts? What did you think of Grand Slam? Good show, bad show? Did they deliver? Like, do you think they, the $1.2 million, do you think they retained enough of it for next week? Oh, yeah. They're they're on a roll. I mean, consistently, they've, I think, what, the past, like, month or month and a half following uh, CM Punk, I think most of their numbers have been a million or if not a million close to it. Yep. They're starting to build their, their, their following. They're starting to do the right things, make the right moves. Um, you know, a local stage for us, what is it, WFAN? They had Brian mm-hmm. Danielson on. Uh, they're starting to get exposure outside of just the wrestling community. There's a buzz about it. Uh, they're knocking out of the park right now. Right. And they haven't made a misstep in a really, really long time. And it doesn't look like they're going to make a misstep. And it, look, they turned Jim Cornette, their biggest critic, essentially almost to the point where he praised a good majority of some of the stuff they've done. They got a lot of key guys going right now. Adam Cole, Brian Danielson, Kenny Omega, Moxley. They're in a good spot. They so, are. Good show. They knocked it out of the park. They did. They really did. They. I think Grand Slam was the perfect name for this because they hit one. Like, I was entertained throughout the whole two hours. The Obviously, the match that everyone was waiting for, they absolutely delivered and gave us the cliffhanger. So we're definitely going to get a sequel when, I don't know, I think it needs to be full gear. Ralph, you're saying wait a year, but who knows? But I I think this was a very good show and just goes to show you wrestling's in a good place right now. Wrestling is an amazing place right now. And I think, you know, you brought up WFAN, which for those that don't know, that's the number one radio station in the number one market in the country that their signal is so strong, it goes through states. It's a huge, huge thing that Daniel Bryan's on there. And there were people from the station talking about it today, talking about their experience on the sh- like being there. I think, one, I think the afternoon guy, Evan Roberts, was in the first row. So that's... Yeah, there's, there's one more thing I want to say before we wrap this up. If you're a wrestling fan... And, and obviously, we've had times where we've been critical of, of AEW. We've been critical of WWE, NXT. We're critical of all of them. And if you're a wrestling fan, if you can't find a moment to enjoy, you know, uh, what, any moment from last night, no matter who you prefer, it's almost like you, you're maybe you're not actually a fan. Because even Bri- uh, Brian Danielson last night, he's going against Kenny Omega. They ring the bell. The fans are going nuts. He couldn't even contain himself. Right. Literally smiling. And he, he's supposed like Kenny Omega held it together and, and they're going face to face. And this is almost like the start to a, what's going to probably be like a blood feud. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't even control himself. He was smiling because he knew how important this match was going to be last night. And he was wanted to be there and be in that moment and be uh, in the ring against Kenny Omega. And as fans, sometimes rather than be critical of so much, uh, we just need to sit back and enjoy it. And last night was a very enjoyable show. Yes, it, it definitely was. And I'm excited to see what we get in the future for AEW and what we get in the future for WWE. But let us know in the comments what you thought of AEW Dynamite. Don't forget to share us over social media, our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, SCPD Podcast. Subscribe. Hit that bell for notifications. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Squared Circle Psycho Babble. <laughs>